Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tates Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. Notice the uh, title of the sermon this morning. It's a bit strange, Singing in 2020. Uh, Let me assure you that has absolutely nothing to do with the masks that are on your face this morning. I promise the two are not related. Uh, But as we read in Psalm 28, notice verse 7 of the reality that singing is a huge part in our life when we experience the Lord Jesus What we see is an overflow of thanksgiving, of song. Uh, I want to make the case this morning that when that message uh, truly invades our heart, we'll be more than glad to strap on three or four masks, whatever it takes, to let us sing as loudly as we possibly can. Uh, I preached from Psalm 28 a month or so ago before we were back together And just to be honest, I've been spending a lot of time in Psalm 28 and really just my own devotional life. When it's my turn to preach in July, I want to continue in this psalm. Uh, So that's where we are. And I'm going to focus this morning really on verses 6 and 7, really verse 7, and just regarding singing. I have had a little bit of fun this week as I prepared for this. And just the craziness that is 2020, I did a Google search on what songs fit the year 2020 the best. Maybe some of y'all have already done that, but there are some good ones that that match uh, our day. Uh, Of course, there's the ever popular, it's the end of the world as we know it. Uh, or if I could go back in time, that, that would fit from share, share, share. But uh, as a teenager of the 1980s, the song that stood out to me the most on the Google list was Don't Stand So Close to Me. If you remember who sang that song, and I, I know some of you all are a product of the 80s like me, that Sting sang that song. But to really press the trivia of the 1980s, do you remember the band that played this song? Don't say it out loud, but as ironic as it could possibly be, and I do not know if this is funny or not, but it was a band named The Police that sang Don't Stand So Close to Me. So as strange as that could possibly be, that really is 2020 at its finest. Now, that has nothing to do with the sermon, but I found it so interesting I had to tell the story. Here's the picture from Psalm 28. In reality, that singing is at the heart of people who are made in the image of God. Christians or non-Christians alike, we turn to the creation of songs and the singing of them to express what is true, what is beautiful, what is meaningful. 
And again, it's what we're going to see this morning from this particular psalm is that singing in thanksgiving of what the Lord has done is our declaration of our heart's trust in him and our loyalty to what he will do in our life. You know, last week, uh, Will preached a, a, a great sermon from the Old Testament, and I was struck by the role of the choir in the Old Testament. If you were here last week or if you heard the sermon, maybe you remember that. The choir in the Old Testament was not just something that was really beautiful or fun, even though I'm sure that was true. It was used for military purposes. It was used in the spirit of when God's people sing, there's more going on there than even we realize. That there's a spiritual reality of power involved that when our voices come together in the context of singing, the singing of God's people as revealed in Scripture is not just a sweet little moment, but rather it's a powerful, powerful thing. So, from verse 7, Psalm 22, I have uh, two questions that I want us to briefly think about this morning. First, is why do we sing to the Lord? And then secondly, when do we sing to the Lord? So why and when are what we're going to notice that the answers to both of those questions are very similar. Uh, if you remember, very briefly, uh, the context of Psalm 28 is simply this. King David, the great king of the Old Testament, was experiencing some kind of trouble. We don't know exactly what it was, and he doesn't tell us exactly what it was. What we do know is he was scared, and he cried out to the Lord. He was desperate to the Lord, and either the Lord removed whatever he was afraid, or he simply reminded his heart of his promises of what he would do in the future. Either way, the result is the same. When his heart was convinced of what was going on, he sang, he celebrated. So as we enter into this verse this morning, let me simply ask you this question. Is your heart in a place of thanksgiving this morning? Is your heart in a place where you're so convinced of who the Lord is and what he's doing that you can sing in thanksgiving? If it's not... I want us to see, again, God's grace to you. And if it is, may you be reminded afresh of his promises to his people in Christ. So first, why do we sing to the Lord? Again, verses 6 and 7. Here is the answer. When your heart is convinced that Jesus is fully committed to you, regardless of what circumstances you are facing today, When your mind is convinced that Jesus is for you and not against you, then you are free to sing in thanksgiving. Again, notice from David and his life here, and I love this. He does not tell us what his particular problem is. He only lets us know that he is scared. He is so scared that he's afraid spiritually he's even going to fall and go into the pit with evil people. But David doesn't tell us specifically what's going on. And I'm glad for that today so that we won't draw a direct parallel. But here's what we know. We know that he cried to the Lord and the Lord in some way with his grace answered his prayer. And thus David was convinced in his mind, in his heart, in his soul, in his well-being, in his life that God the Lord was the king. And that this Lord, who he belonged to, was his strength. 
You know, as I read and meditated on these words this past week, here's what it feels like David is saying as if he's preaching to himself. It's as if David draws an imaginary line in the sand. And what he is saying is, from this point forward, I believe everything that God says is true of himself. And I believe what is now true of me because of God's promises to me. It's as if David is saying, I am his. He hears me. He defends me. He is able. He's capable. Therefore, in this journey of faith, wherever the Lord takes me, I trust him. You see, singing to the Lord is an act of thanksgiving of a very free person. Free in the sense of whatever the Lord's providence in my life is, whatever the Lord's plan in my life is, I can trust him that he knows what he's doing. That's freedom. That's freedom. Regardless of where I have been or what's going on now or what will be in the future, I belong to him. Uh, we, we just read Romans chapter 8. Jamie read that. And I, if you want to go back and look at that later, I encourage you to do so. Uh, if you've been part of TCPC over the last month or so, you know that Robert has preached three different sermons from Romans 8 to talk about the different groanings that exist in the world. The groaning of creation, the groaning of Christians, and the groaning of the Lord himself. But here at the end of Romans 8, and that's why I had it read in this passage, what you have is this beautiful, triumphant message of the heart of a Christian. And I cannot fully comprehend... And I am not a preacher capable of fully explaining the power of these promises. But friends, here's what we must know. Your election by the Father through the work of His Son and sustained by His Spirit existed before creation. So wherever you find yourself this morning... Whatever problem you face, whatever difficulty you're in, here's what you must know. According to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are not an afterthought. You are not an accident. You are not forgotten. It's impossible for you to be. If your faith is in Christ and his spirit is alive in you, you have been loved more and longer than you could ever imagine. You see, our destiny as people of God is to receive his love for us all the time. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, even when we're afraid we'll lose it, it's not true. The reason we sing to Jesus is that it is impossible to ever be separated from his love. You see, we do not wait for our salvation to be complete to sing. No, we sing because we are convinced our salvation has begun. So in Thanksgiving this morning, we can sing to him. He's with us. He's praying for us. He will never leave us. He will never abandon us. He listens to us and he gives us his grace. So you see why we sing? Because the gospel is true. Singing is not all we do, of course, but it is part of our fellowship of Christ. Now, again, I, I was thinking about our current context of life in Lexington in 2020. There's so much that we don't know what will happen in the month of August. For that matter, the rest of July. 
I don't know if school will return. I don't know if there will be a vaccine to this virus. I don't know if there will be a second outbreak. Maybe there already is a second outbreak. And heaven forbid, I don't know if we're going to have SEC football this fall. It may not happen. But here's what we know. God has heard our prayers. He has delivered us from our sin. He has taken our shame upon himself. And we are now free to sing because Jesus is ours. Why do we sing? Because this is true and we know it. The second question this morning is then when do we sing? When do we sing? And again, I I suggest that the answer is very similar. If we sing because he is true and his promises are good that it only seems appropriate that our singing would happen whenever we are reminded of his grace in our lives. That is, whenever he awakens our senses to the reality that all of his promises are real in Christ. Again, for David, we're not sure the particular occasion. And again, I'm glad for that so we would draw a direct parallel. But see this morning... The reality is when Christ awakens us, there is never a time that is inappropriate to sing to him. The time that we sing to him in thanksgiving is when our hearts, again, are convinced of what is true. So when your soul is freshly renewed in the promises of God, it's impossible not to cry out in thanksgiving. As I was preparing for this, I thought it would be fun to take a look at the New Testament When God's people turn to the Lord by singing. Let me mention a few different times and recognize the various circumstances involved in this. In Matthew 26, we see that Jesus and his disciples, as Jesus was on his way to the cross, going to the Mount of Olives, right after he instituted the Lord's Supper, what did they do? Jesus and his disciples sang a hymn together. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, when they were in prison at midnight, suffering because of their faith in Christ, what did they do? They sang hymns of thanksgiving. Romans chapter 15, I love this. Paul is in the midst of writing lessons of systematic theology. And it wasn't boring. And in chapter 15, he had to stop and pause and sing a song. Hebrews chapter 2, the writer of Hebrews is thinking and ministering about the person of Jesus, comparing Jesus to all the different ministries in the Old Testament. And again, he pauses, he includes the singing of the congregation of Psalms. Colossians chapter 3, we see that singing is used as a means by which we fight evil in our own heart. That is, as we work towards sanctification, we sing. And then, of course, the most popular of all in the book of Revelation, when all tongues, all tribes, all people group are all together for all time, we're around the throne and we are singing, salvation belongs to our Lord. So I ask you this morning, when's a good time to sing? I think scripture would say, when you're scared, when you study Jesus, when you're in prison, when you're afflicted, when you're fighting for your own sanctification, when you're tempted, when you're all together, and then prepare yourself for all of eternity. There's never a time that it's not a good time to sing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
Lisa and I spent a night at a bed and breakfast over in Bardstown, Kentucky. Quick shout out to Bardstown. I'd never been there. What a great little town in central Kentucky. However, uh, we toured Federal Hill. Maybe some of y'all have been there. It's probably impossible to truly know Kentucky history until you take the tour of the mansion known as my old Kentucky home. Uh, you all probably know the story well, but Stephen Foster wrote our state song based on his days as a child visiting Kentucky from his home in Pittsburgh. And of course, we all know and love the song. What is interesting, and I'd heard a bit about this, but I didn't know the full story until being there, that the origin of the song is very, very, very different than what we might be led to think as we sing it at the end of a basketball game. Uh, This was an abolitionist song written through the lens of the slaves there at Federal Hill. It was written by Foster after he had read Uncle Tom's Cabin. And it's an amazing, amazing song. I'll I'll let Robert do a podcast on all of it at some other point. But for today, here's what struck me. Stephen Foster wrote these words that we've been singing for over 100 years. There was no way No way when he wrote these words that he would have thought, what a beautiful song that will someday be sung at the end of a basketball or football game. The two had nothing in common whatsoever. But even though we have changed the meaning of the words a bit, there's still incredible truth here. The proof is that when we sing this song, it reminds us of something that we want to be true of our home far away in Kentucky, of course. I'm not going to sing that. And it really does work that we're encouraged as we sing a song that we love. But here's my prayer for you this morning. That either in this sanctuary, if you're watching on Facebook, that the song of your heart will not be something that you create in your own imagination to bring comfort to your soul this morning. But whatever you are facing today, whatever crisis, whatever trial you're in, that your heart will be shaped on that which is completely true. I shared earlier this morning that, that singing to the Lord is our revelation of loyalty to Him. But here's what I know is true of you and of true of me at some times. Even in the midst of all that is real for us in Christ, can we all admit there are just times... That we are not able to sing. That we don't want to. That we don't feel like it. That we're not able to. For whatever reason, life is too hard. Even what we know is true of the Lord, it's still difficult. I beg you to see more of the gospel this morning. And let me close with this. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says this. The Lord your God is with you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. And he will exalt over you with what? With loud singing. You see, people of God this morning, if you're unable to sing today, that's okay. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ says this, that Jesus is singing over you now. People understand that Jesus' song for us comes with a loud voice. Jesus sings as a declaration to us 
that his love for us is all that we will ever know. Seeing in 2020, the same as last year and until Jesus returns, is ultimately about him singing over us. We sing because this is real. We sing when we recognize it's real. But even if we don't, Jesus' singing over you does not stop. So be encouraged this morning. Your Savior, the one who died for you, the one who lived for you, the one who rose for you, and the one who returns for you right now, declares his love for you in loud singing. May this affect our lives richly. Now, let me pray and ask that the Lord would affect us with that. And as we sing our final hymn, Holy, 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 may we sing as unto the Lord, knowing that this is true. So join me now as we pray. Father, your word is true. As we have looked at this song this morning, this song includes singing. So, Father, in the midst of all that is wild and crazy in our world, you cannot ever prevent our hearts from singing. Lord Jesus, we cry out along with David, don't be silent to us, we pray. Father, I pray this morning, would you lead us as we sing unto you. And we pray this now in Christ's name. Amen.